Hi, friends. How are you doing? I hope you're in good health and secure. Um, it's just a, a little refresher. I haven't talked about the website except casually. Um, but uh, I added another little three-page document. It's, it's nothing... Uh, groundbreaking, but it's a different way of looking at this time thing in Buddhism. Past, present, future. It's discussed a lot in the translations, and translations, they always have cultural biases and belief biases and so on and so forth. And the language can either mislead or have remnants of baggage, you know, charisma, associations that are inappropriate and and just because of that they mislead and we misunderstand and uh, you know you can't be too hard on ourselves because as Shakyamuni pointed out the depth of these teachings can really only be understand between Buddhas hmm? and, and that's not to me and you know Buddhas aren't people we're talking about expanded minds right the 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 open Buddha eye so that's the benefit of the Sangha is we're all working to instantiate and remain that awakened Buddha mind. So we can use language with all its foibles and you know errors and so on. And because we're aiming for the same thing, we can dissect it clo more closely to what it is that we're instantiating when we chant, right? What are we doing? It was uh, annoying when I first started with uh, uh, Nichiren Shoshu many, many, many years ago, and I kept hearing from the, uh, um, what do they call them, the lay organization, that it didn't matter if you didn't know what Namu Myohrengekyo meant, uh, just do it, it works. Um, wow, I think if Nichiren were talking about that, he would have said to keep that secret. Keep that, hold that back. Um, because in truth, although uh, there may be uh, some truth to that, um, because ninth consciousness is ninth consciousness, it's already there even if you don't know it or it's not awakened. But to the initiate, to somebody who's just starting out, uh, especially somebody who doesn't even have a mandala yet or an altar, um, it just sounds like Felix the Cat in making incantations and or Harry Potter or whatever. <laughs> it just doesn't sound right. And that's not a good way to start out practicing. My point here is that it takes some time, some study, some exposure to the discussions of the Dharma to gain some insights and to then perhaps start to understand what it is that is occurring even without a profound understanding of the characters and how they really encapsulate much larger concepts. For instance, how many of you have practiced for years and years and years never having fully understood what a Dharani is? And when you read them, then there are some in the Lotus they just sound like abracadabra. They don't make any sense. But after a while, in some study, you start to understand that there's an association, 
an homage, a respect, a calling out of vast swaths of the, of the, um, the Dharma teachings that are honored and called to mind with those sounds, those not words, but incantations, right? Invocations. Kind of like, you know, a child who's really scared might yell out, Mom, Mom, Mom. A child knows damn well what the child means when it yells, Mom, 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 right? It wants help, it wants protection, it wants, you know, whatever, attention, some kind of uh, uh, calling forth of something much larger than themselves that they have complete confidence in rescuing them or observing them, whatever it is. But they don't have to know what it is to be a mother, right? They don't have to know anything about feeding, breastfeeding, diapers, pregnancy, on and on and on and on. They don't need to know the definition of a mother in order to call out for mother. And yet... As we grow older and our definition of mother, as we see her more and more as a human instead of some mythical figure, we develop a different sort of respect, love, attachment, or detachment from mother. Yeah? So our depth of knowledge accrues and adds to our understanding when we say, I got to call my mom. It's not the same as when we're a child and we're fearful and we call mom, right? And yet, they're not disassociated. But in Buddhism, we have to create that relationship with our minds. There's no physical attack like a child coming through the birth canal and the mother's relation. And there's a lot of material physicality in that relationship. So it's easier to understand, right? All right. So anyway, I recently did a video on timelessness. And it was kind of a response to a question I get quite often about, in some form, when we open our Buddha mind, do we annihilate or destroy the self? And that, that's not an uncommon question. And some of the rhetoric in the sutras, the translations would lead, I mean, the word annihilation is in there. Yeah. And it's just not right. It's not, it's not accurate. And so I did that timelines and, and I put up a document on uh, the core study page, you know, um, you know, this one. And that's the top of the page. And you can see uh, there's a lot of buttons there, right, uh, with different subjects and so forth. And um, I recently uh, put up another button uh, question right in this section if you scroll down on that page you'll see many more buttons and there's this section here where there's self and environment uh, Buddhist self what is self what's a moment and uh, a button right in the middle of that column it, it, that may change because I keep adding buttons called samsara v buddha um, and I did videos on this if you do if you use the search criteria or the search uh, little magnifying glass on the homepage of the channel. You can search for uh, self and you'll see, or ego, you'll see videos come up to that term, right? 
It's a handy tool. I, I wish more of you would use it. Uh, many of you probably are. I don't have that visibility. So anyway, point is, I thought, well, when I put up this, uh, let's see, where's, was it this one? Yeah, and I was showing the difference between a moment to moment, that transition we tend that we tend to see as linear is actually just all over the place. There's no the linearness of that idea of moment to moment is just our samsaric perception. That's not how it works. We don't have particular trajectories. We have tendencies and conditions, and that sends us. But there is momentum. Momentum, like the cosmos, is expanding not in one direction, but in every direction. I know when you see these illustrations on these videos and in books, they show this cone of the cosmos. But that's because they're taking a slice so that you... They, again, it's a linear way of looking at things. But that's not accurate. Right? The cosmos is everywhere, all the time, expanding. And that's what defines our perception of time. So I put up uh, these, uh, this comparison because I, wanna, I want you to really understand this, the self, there's two different selves. And you saw in the buttons, there's a samsaric self and there's a Buddha self, yeah? Um, and the difference, the whole difference is samsara versus liberation from samsara. The self as a concept of, look, I talk about the, the freight train of karma all the time, right? That karma instantiating, all those energies instantiating is you, the physical you. Hmm? But the mental you, self, that's what we're working on in Buddhism, right? The mind. There's, we're not trying to get rid of this body. This thing we call self it's really just a vehicle to emerge the sentient mind. That's the unique opportunity of being one of these human things, is that we emerge a mind of nine consciousnesses, a broad spectrum of sentience, yeah? Availing for us the ability to observe the actual process of life rather than just tumbling along like a rock, a plant, a dog, a cat. They're just doing what they do because they don't understand cause-effect. They just understand survival, being a dog, right? They make associations, sure, all of that. They never have a crisis of self, they're just a samsaric self, a collection of energies, atoms, molecules, organs, so on and so forth, okay? And what I did here was try to show in the terms of a timeline how this relates to Shakyamuni's teaching. The mind in samsara, if we just take... Uh, a moment, like I have here in the center of the drawing, right? A moment. Understand that that moment, although it's a black dot right there, isn't like that, right? I, uh, go look at that video on moments. The, the, um, the uh, Buddhism reference, the first volume, right? 
look for the definition of moment or moment to moment. Hmm? It's such a brief, what was it? Like 0.52 zeros and then digits. It's so infinitesimally small. You can't conceive of it with your mind, let alone draw it. Right? How close do you have to get to that drawing I just put on the screen before you see that it's billions of little dots? Right? The moment is so brief that the only reason we talk about a moment is because they're discrete instantiations of that big freight train of karma via the influence of 3,000 realms in each single thought moment. Thought moment, right? The mind. Right? Our experience of life happens completely in the mind. Oh, but I you know, cut my leg the other day. I experienced that. Yes, you experienced it in your mind. Your body has its own tools of survival, autonomic nervous system, so on and so forth. It will start to put white blood cells around that and correct the, you know, and get a scab and heal itself. But you're, you're not doing that. You're not sitting in a chair all day looking at that laceration thinking, okay, time to put some of these in there. Time, Right? We're talking about your sentient mind. So the sentient mind, if you look at it at the bottom, you'll see all those dots with an arrow. The reason I made it dots is because of these moment after moment to moment to moment to moment to moment. Each one of those, a birth death, right? Cycle of birth death, birth death, birth death, birth death, birth death. Or rebirth death, rebirth death, rebirth death. But the rebirth sounds like a rehashing. That's not incomplete or, uh, or accurate, right? Because with each moment, there's 3,000 realms of influence. So the next moment isn't so much a rebirth, but samsarically it's a rebirth. You see the problem we get in here between samsara and Buddha? So anyway, this is what I did. The past we see linearly as a collection of stuff. And obviously, the further back we go, the more stuff we've accrued. And that's clinging, right? The clinging cravings that Shakyamuni talked about. That's where our suffering comes from. Hmm? And we crave, which is our projection of stuff, either from the past or new stuff, in our future. That's craving. Craving, clinging are part of this timeline. And the moment is something we just take for granted because it's happening so fast, right? And that's how we perceive everything. And it gives us the impression that we're dragging something along that's quote-unquote real or permanent or whatever you want to call it that has qualities, even the self. And this is the point here. We see the self as something that's being modified moment to moment to moment. And although linguistically that's not wrong, the problem with that linguistically is that it assumes that the modification is happening to a pre-existing structure. Now, pay attention. That pre-existing structure is our samsaric mind clinging to the past. In this very next moment, this new structure being born is, has nothing to do with that one other than the influences on that one from the 3,000 realms 
in the mind that filters that freight train of energies and karma into this moment. You see why I don't like the rebirth word here? Because it's not a rebirth. It's a new birth. Look, I don't have to convince you. You know that 10 years ago, you're not the same person you were 10 years ago. In fact, when you look in the mirror in the morning, you see some person that you never imagined would be here for another 10 years. You're stuck in this samsaric attachment to and, and clinging to the past. We see it every single day. Hmm? And why do you uh, work out or change your diet or because you're projecting a change in yourself for the future from what you're clinging to in the past while the moment is something you just don't want to deal with. You ladies are more familiar with this because you put on a bunch of makeup, but guys, right? So I made this slide. Here's the difference. Rather than a timeline with past, present, and future, which we hear discussed all the time in the sutras, what's actually happening is this moment, this moment to moment, there, this is radiating out in all directions, just like the cosmos, and there's no linearity to it. It's influenced by 3,000 realms in each thought moment, and it moves its tendencies and conditions within that framework. So, so the very idea that there's a past, present, and future, if you look at that radiating out in circles in all directions, uh, where is it? If you're truly engaged in this moment, 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 then past and future, there's just no, get out of here. There's no, it's like flies buzzing. Get out of here. What? I'm here. I'm here right now. Now, 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 now. Is the self gone? No, it isn't. Now the self, quote unquote, is completely focused, gohonzon mind, with the Buddha eye open, perceiving this momentum of energy we call life in it fully completely dedicated to the full experience of the engine of life without dragging anything from the past. No point. There's way too much to perceive right now. And any projection into the future is just simply going to be this, Buddha-ness. So they become, past, present, and future become irrelevant when we're engaged in a transitory constant of impermanence from moment to moment. There's no thing, using the language of samsara, to cling to, or nor any to project. We're in the experience of. That doesn't mean all the stuff goes away. It means we now understand, see, with total clarity what's actually happening moment to moment. So every moment is a transition to be experienced. In other words, there's no static. 
There's nothing that just is, right? Impermanence. Every moment is movement. It's constantly reestablishing and being influenced and then being established in that influence and, in fab- and on and on and on and on. It's the momentum of life. Can you ride this skateboard? Yeah, surf it? What analogy? So these aren't perfect slides, but I wanted to give you another visual aid that I was hoping you might add to the other, like, where's that? Um, like you see here that, oh, at the very bottom, you'll see uh, now is not now and timelines, single thought moment, 3,000 realms. This, this section of the buttons is all about this perceptive shift, this paradigm problematic that Buddhism and Shakyamuni spent, what, 50 years of his life trying to get people to understand, right? And every bodhisattva since, every scholar since, right, including Nichiren, spends an inordinate amount of time trying to rehash what Shakyamuni already talked about not only to show his prescience and how accurate he was, to demonstrate also via Nitrin how other sects have deviated and they don't get it, right? Nitrin keeps bringing us back to Lotus Sutra to understand this critical point that we're not trying to kill off the ego we're simply making it irrelevant. Ego would be more the word to use than self because ego is an active hanging on to and in love with the self. So ego, a better term in this context, that we do, in a sense, get rid of it. But it's not like we're attacking the ego. We're simply perceiving past it. It's irrelevant. Do you follow? I hope that makes sense. Um, oh, that gives me an idea. Maybe that in um, the book I'm currently working on, Volume 2 of Buddhism Reference, I should uh, approach the word ego. Because that is a very charismatic word. So thanks, Tony. Um, yeah, I'll look into that. If I haven't already... I probably have used it in some way, but I haven't dedicated a section to it. So, Anyway, that's it for today. I hope you find that useful. Um, I always like to let you know when I put new stuff on the website uh, because it's a tool. It's a a library for you to reference to, uh, not only for you to study and help your own practice, but maybe, even though you totally understand this, um, you could use it in the future when someone is looking to you for this type of question on Buddhism. How do you do that? What do you, what's going on here? What's happening? Oh, I remember a document I printed out. Let me go look at my files. Yeah, here, let's talk about self, ego, all this. Yeah. So it's, it's also a reference, Buddhism reference. Yeah. All right. I'm going to let you go. Um, Take a moment to like, and subscribe as always. Uh, If you, uh, can engage in any other way. You know, there's a lot of free info like this. 
Uh, all the links are in the description, as usual. I'll let you uh, get on with that and your day. In the meantime, uh, as always, I hope you take care of your health and that you stay safe. Please keep your practice strong. It's so amazing, this practice. Um, and I'll see you in the next one. Okay? Take care. Bye-bye. For now.